everyone, and welcome to episode 362 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. Happy New Year's. How are you today, Richard? Hey, Seth. It's it's 2022. How wild. How wild is that? I know. That's the future, Seth. <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> We are, we're in the future, although things don't feel that much different than they did a week ago, honestly, but uh, it should be interesting. 2021 was a weird year. Hopefully 2022 is pretty awesome, but we got another co-host in Krim. Krim, how are you this fine Monday in 2022? <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, 2022, <laughs> much like Richard had mentioned, does not, or I mean, like it really, really doesn't feel different at all, actually, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, we got we got a bunch of topics today. We're going to be jumping around. We got a tiny bit of spoilers from uh, our new Kamigawa set, so we wanted to mention that. We got some Watsi news, uh, people going to work at Watsi, some Moto news with a new partnership, uh, hopefully talk about some modern prices and Magic Online prices, uh, some Post Malone news. So we're going to be jumping from topic to topic today and then answering some fish mail, of course. But before we get into that, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, you've probably heard about them from us before. They are a great way to sell your magic collection, and they're offering a new service geared towards selling smaller batches of valuable cards with a reduced service fee. With their curated shipment service, you can sell your cards for the best available buy list price with only a 5% fee. And as with all Card Conduit services, you don't gotta sort your cards or grade them. You get to skip all those hassles and just safely package up your cards and ship them out. And of course, you'll get a detailed report with your results so you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%. And right now, you can even get another 10% off by going to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic. And let's start with probably the most exciting news. We got one new company. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty spoiler. Uh, Richard, what would that card be? All right. Uh, Satoru Umezawa, one blue and a black legendary creature, human ninja, 2-4. Whenever you activate a ninjutsu ability, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This ability triggers only once each turn. Each nin or each creature in your hand has ninjutsu, two blue and a black. Oh, this card's oh. so sweet. This is this, it's such a cool design. This has got to be like the the sweetest ninja commander that I could almost even imagine. Like letting any of your things be ninjutsu in has all kinds of sweet shenanigans. It draws you cards. I don't think it's like Eureka broken, but I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah. So I think this is like going to be super popular, like uh, super popular in commander. I'm curious how good it's going to be in other formats, like. A 2-4 for 3 is fine. Its abilities are possible. I see a lot of people, like, trying to live the dream, which, uh, of, like, playing this and having a, I don't know, an Ornithopter or something, and then putting Blightsteel into play and just getting someone. And that sounds like a really sweet against the odds episode. I don't know. Do you think that's actually, like, a competitive plan, Krim? Like, do you think this is a card that can see play in 60-card formats? <laughs> I feel like in 60-card formats, I don't even know if this card works, but I, I'd, I'd <laughs> like it to. Um, I, it, 
I would love to see like a Blightsteel like come in, but then you're playing Blightsteel and there's the awkward turns where you don't have anything to put it in. But uh, yep. you just go all in, I guess, right? Like <laughs> it, it's it's going to be Mimi. I, I think this is going to be something that's really fun for Commander. Uh, and, and, and like, even more importantly, I think the memes that have come out of this, like, you know, the Emrakul with the Naruto headbands and, and, and it's like, I, I'm somewhat a ninja myself, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, I think those memes alone make this card infinitely worth it. And then like, that's not even going, like, that's not even going into like the fact that the, the wild artworks that we have for the card, right? Then we, we, we've got the super duper duper sweet. Uh, 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 Fist of the, or no, 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 this is not Fist of the North Star, sorry. Uh, this is the Metal Gear Solid, uh, uh, artist made an alternate artwork for this card. And if you're a fan of Metal Gear Solid, that's a big W. Art's pretty good. I, I think people will try it in 60 card formats. Like, it depends on how consistent your deck can be. You need another way to cheat stuff in, because you don't want your hand to be full of blight steals and, like, other random, like, 10 drops you're playing a ninjutsu But, if you don't remove this thing, like, you're going to die, right? So I, I do see people trying to play this somewhere. And in Commander, it'll be super sweet. And it'll most likely be get you killed, I think. And it's not Eureka <laughs> level, but, like, it's dirty enough to not finish everyone off, but scary enough that everyone uh, is scared. The because fear of the unknown. Not only do you ninjutsu, right, yeah. you get to, like, anticipate or whatever, right? So, like, it's, it's actually a lot of advantage here. Like, you just saved, like, six mana... And then, like, drew some cards just activating this commander. Uh, that's that's kind of my concern with it, actually, is people are just going to be super scared of it. Because I just want to, like, I just want to ninjutsu mall drifters into play. Like, stuff like that. I, I don't want to do anything frightening. I'm not trying to blight steal you or whatever. But I'm never going to be able to convince the table that that's all I'm trying to do. Like, play a panharmonicon and just keep looping mall drifters or something. So everyone's going to try to kill it. Anyway, I do really love that it's a super ninja-y feeling card, but you don't necessarily have to be a, a a ninja deck at all. Like, you could play this as your commander and have literally zero other ninjas in your deck, and this is going to be really, really powerful. So I love how it feels so ninja but it's not like one of those tribal commanders that we see where it's like, okay, you can only really play, uh, like Tovalar is a good example. It's insane, but you can really only play a deck full of werewolves if you want your commander to be good. Uh, Yumazawa, you have the option to play really anything you can just be a generic like demure creature deck and this would be a pretty sweet commander to lead the deck so i really like the design i don't know if i'm sold on 60 card formats i, I think the nightmare is like you try to set up that blight steel killer whatever and then this dies and then you get a handful of blight steals and you're really really sad i imagine that's what happens most of the time but it should at least be a sweet against the odds episode or something in uh in modern or whatever not only will would this die there's also the fact that like if you try this in like modern <laughs> and they just solitude you right and then it's just like crap that was my bomb ah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i mean four toughness is nice it dodges bolt at least it's kind of hard to kill with prismatic ending so there is some upside there but yeah like oh it does feel like it's gonna die a lot and it really has to because if you untap with this like even you just ninjutsu one thing you're anticipating and theoretically sneaking a big creature into play like even one turn with the uh, untapping with this is probably really gonna swing the game in your favor so i understand why people are, are gonna be scared of it and try to kill it what if you just play it as like a fair ninja card in standard like, <laughs> i'm gonna be honest with you i i don't know what ninjas look like they uh, can be in, anything in everything has ninjutsu. no <laughs> Well, well, yeah, but like if I wanted to go like ninja tribal, it, like 
isn't the I think this might be increasing the cost of ninjutsu on most of my ninjas, right? No, no, but you can just like ninjutsu and just draw a card, right? Like with, oh, without, normally, yeah, 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 like a normal yeah. ninjutsu yeah. usage, and then maybe you have like one card or something in your deck that doesn't have ninjutsu, but now it does have ninjutsu. But three mana, two four I mean, draws cards. That yeah. is that is pretty sweet. I mean, I don't know about standard though, because I mean like. It comes down to what I like, like what the ninjas look like, or if there's any bombs. Because again, you can ninjutsu, and then like they fading hope you, and, and all this stuff. It's just unsummon is. I, I never thought that unsummon would like make me so afraid of playing magic. You know what I mean? Like, oh. I mean, I think it has a chance in standard, but it's really hard to kind of like theory craft ninjas at this point because they just don't ex- exist in standard yet. Like all the support's going to be coming from uh, from Kamigawa itself. So I'm kind of in like wait in C mode. I don't think it's impossible that it could see play in standard. Like we got cheap evasive threats that you can use as ninjutsu fodder. Uh, and this is a fairly okay body. Like a 2-4 for 3 isn't bad. So I don't think it's impossible, but I think like Krim said, we really got to wait and see what the rest of the ninja tribe looks like from Kamigawa before we can go too deep on building like a Satoru Yumazawa in standard. Anyway, uh, uh, any other thoughts on Satoru Yumazawa before we, we move on? That's the only spoiler we got. We got one. I think it was Christmas Eve spoiler. Wizards gave us this card. And now we're back in waiting mode, essentially. I think it's the 27th. We get more spoilers. So we got a, a little break here while we're waiting. Oh, oh happy early birthday, Crib. Yeah. So we got a little, a little break uh, of spoilers. But, I mean, at least it was a good one. It is a pretty cool card. Yeah. Also, I, and also, I'd rather it not be my birthday. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let's keep moving forward and hit up our next topic, which is uh, some interesting Wizards news about organized play. So, uh, William Jensen, Huey, uh, longtime Magic Pro Hall of Famer, I believe, um, got hired as Director of Play Programs at Wizards, which apparently just, like, oversees... Uh, essentially anyone playing magic from like organized play pro tour level stuff down to more casual play so very interesting uh, it, is this good news for the future of organized play that's something we've been talking about for a while we know that the mpl is ending we don't really have a roadmap of what's coming next do you feel any better about the future of organized play now that you know huey is going to be in charge of it i mean the, the huey is like he's dead like devoted his life to like pretty much competitive magic right so and and like competitive card gaming and stuff like that so i mean i he's got to be a valuable asset and this is a good pickup for wizards so eh. <laughs> so no, i i love Huey, right but i don't think the problem was the person in charge right like i i think wizards could have asked like any pro player or like went to fnms and gotten like very basic feedback that you know, it was like very obvious, but they don't have the resources in place, right? They're like, here you go, Huey, here's like $10,000 and like one intern, fix organized play, please. And then he's be like, oh, uh, okay. And then like, that'll, that'll be it, right? <laughs> like his hands will be tied, he won't be able to do anything. So I I will believe it when I see it. I, I don't think it's an ideas problem. I think it's a budget problem. And like maybe, you know, he can take the very limited budget and make it like, you know, 10% better, but... You know, I don't think that's what was holding back esports or uh, basically like LGS scenes and things like that. I I think it's more of a of a higher level problem. So I don't think 
And, and if anything, it might be worse because now Huey gets all the blame and hate for everything. But I, I don't know. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of in the middle. On one hand, uh, I like Huey a lot and I think it's a great hire. And I think that as someone who has cared about and lived pro magic for two decades or whatever, like a very long time, it's hard for me to imagine Huey not fighting for a, uh, you know, a organized play system that he knows that players would want and enjoy. So I definitely trust in that aspect of things. On the other hand, like Richard said, how much power, uh, how much of a budget will he actually have to implement things that would make organized play better? That's certainly up for debate. So it might be that it wouldn't matter who is in that position. Like if, if uh, you know, Papa Hasbro is not going to open up the pocketbooks, it doesn't matter who you have as director of play programs they're going to be in a position where they just really can't do the job that they would want to do. So I'm kind of in wait and see mode there. Like, I think it's a great hire, but how much Hasbro and Wizards and the higher ups actually care about having a good organized play system? Uh, that's still something we're going to have to wait and see. I think Huey is uh, someone that I would love to see in this position. I, uh, and that aspect is great, but uh, does Wizards actually care about organized play at this point? Or is Huey just going to be set up to fail because he's not going to have the resources or whatever? I really don't know. Speaking of FNM and partnerships, I got to ask you if this one matters. So we we also got the news that Post Malone is uh, partnering with Wizards to celebrate Friday Night Magic. Uh, Friday Night Magic coming back. We don't really have a lot of details on what this means. So uh, if we're in wait and see mode on Huey, you know, running organized play, what do you think about this one? Does Post Malone partnering for FNM for the year, does that move the needle at all as far as FNM is concerned? I mean, I I think I see what they're trying to go for, right? Like, and it'll definitely push like an angle of, I don't know, just more fun, I guess. They're going to try to make FNMs more fun and like the the idea of like paper magic more fun. So uh, it's cool to see Post Malone. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what this entails. It's kind of weird. Uh, I mean, it, maybe maybe he writes a super dope song like like how he did for Pokemon. And Magic now has an FNM theme song. <laughs> uh, but but I, I don't. I don't actually know what that that would mean. Like, like I, it, it's kind of hard to take a guess at what Post Malone's going to bring. Yeah, but it's going to be cool to see. It, it's got to be good, but I really question again the the execution and resources of this because we're not hearing about this from you know like a viral Twitter post or a new Post Malone MV on YouTube. We're reading about it in like a PR statement buried on the Magic <laughs> Wizards website. So that's not giving me good hope right that's that's not the pokemon mv i'm looking for so i i don't know if like you know how how much you're doing this like he shows up to fnm once and that's it or he's actually like the face uh persona for fnm and there's an mv and like a whole marketing spiel behind it it's unclear to me but I guess like this can't really be bad in any way. <laughs> like it's just more publicity and even bad publicity is good publicity. So like, you know, like it's, this probably will work out, uh, but very questionable that we're reading it buried in a press release somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I think that having a A-list musician like Post uh, partnering with Wizards, that's got to be a good thing. Just as far as 
getting the game in front of eyes and ears that maybe would have never heard about it before. Like, I assume the people that follow post Twitter, probably a lot of them are not Magic players. So even just like him tweeting about Magic and so forth, that's got to be a positive. Like just as far as, you know, getting the eyes of new players, as far as what this actually means in practice, though, I have no idea. Like the, the actual announcement was very PRE and it didn't really have many specifics at all. So what post is actually going to be doing? with FNMs, I have literally no idea at this point. So I think this has got to be a good thing. Like overall, I think it's got to be a positive, but what it actually looks like in practice, I, I got no clue, no clue at all at this point. All right, so speaking of partnerships, we got one more. And this one, this one kind of hits home for me and I still don't know what to think about it. So Wizards announced the 2022 Magic Online State of the Game. And the big news is they are partnering with Daybreak Games. They're, uh, it sounds like the people currently running Magic Online are still gonna be running Magic Online, but they're gonna be partnering as a new division with Daybreak Games, uh, hopefully getting some new support there. And Daybreak Games is kind of gonna take over in conjunction with wizards it sounds like the day-to-day -day aspects of magic online is this a good thing or a bad thing uh, if you don't know daybreak games and i didn't really know daybreak games i think their biggest game is everquest they they have everquest i've heard a lot of good and bad things i've heard some people say this is where games go to to die basically and they just keep them on life support for as long as possible and get as much money as possible i've heard other people say well magic online has already basically been in that state with wizards running yeah. it so <laughs> this can't actually make anything worse like the wizards can't do less than they're doing currently so so what's the worst that can happen? What do you guys think about this partnership with Daybreak Games? Should I be excited or scared? You mean, what does Bear think about this partnership? <laughs> yeah. oh, could you could you hear him? Yeah, he, Bear yeah. does not like it. He is, you could hear a little bit of whining in the background, I think. <laughs> <laughs> He's not on board. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm in the camp of how much worse could it possibly get? <laughs> a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> This is life support, but it's life support away from the lifeline, which is Wizards. Like when you're now in a separate company, how privy are you to upcoming sets and mechanics and like special information you might need to know about the rest of the magic world? Uh, I'd, I'd rather have them be in the same building than in a different building. And yes, I, I see that maybe short term, this is better. Like maybe they get a couple more resources so that bugs are actually fixed on time, but you know, you don't ship off your darling project to this other company to run, right? You ship off what you're trying to get rid of and maybe they do an okay job, but you know, you don't expect it to thrive and become like amazing again, right? It's like, it's, I think it's pretty bad news. <laughs> what if they make the, the hollow animation cooler? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I guess that's the question. Like, do you think they'll do anything? Like, what is, <laughs> like, how much bugs. change as a Moto player should we, okay. Like, do you, uh, should we be expecting, like, it to get more expensive? Like, do you, do you think this is, like, uh, going to really just shake Magic Online to the core and we're going to see all different pricing models and redemption go away and all this crazy stuff? Or do you think it's going to be more or less the same as what we have been experiencing, but with a different name on the top of the whatever organization chart? I think it's just going to be more of the same different organization at the top. I mean, there's going to be, they might fix some bugs. They might make some more bugs along the way, but you know, <laughs> like I, I, I just don't, I really don't see this making any, uh, like really any difference 
Yeah, like I guess the the one thing we can hope for is they put all the cards online, right? When like the next set comes out, the next commander set or whatever Eternal Master set comes out, if they add more cards than Wizards would do, right? And if they do, then you're like, okay, they're actually trying. If they kind of do the same old, then you're like, okay, that's how it's gonna be. But my prediction is it's more of the same old, and like every year, Moto gets like ten percent worse, and then one day, you know, you just you. Just, you know, put it on the, <laughs> take it out, put it in the car, take it out of the countryside, right? No one knows, <laughs> right? We're fixing it again, yeah. right? But yeah, it's, I mean, it just can't be good, right? Like, we're just getting rid of it, right? Like, how how is that good news? I mean, yeah. I, the only way you can really kind of see it as good news is I don't know how much Wizards was really doing to support Magic Online anyway. I assume that most of the resources go to Arena now, so maybe it can't be less than what it's currently getting as far as the amount of support Moto is getting. And I guess if there's good news, it sounds like Daybreak is good at just keeping games going for a long time. So I think the the odds of Moto not being a game in the near future is probably pretty low. I know that's something people have talked about ever since Arena came out. Like, oh, could they just shut down Magic Online? It sounds like uh, one thing Daybreak is good at is just like <laughs> keeping a game going with minimal support for years and years and years and years. So I don't think you got to worry about Moto going away. Whether or not this means real improvements, though, I'll believe it when I see it. I know they mentioned in the announcement, like, oh, we're going to update the battlefield with a focus on Commander. That's a high priority. We're going to modernize some of the underlying systems that run the game. So they made it sound like a positive thing, but of course they're going to try to make it sound as uh, positive as possible. So we'll have to wait and see. I guess I'm mostly expecting no major changes, at least in the short term, but it does make me a little bit nervous about the long term, because if Wizard had big plans for Magic online and they were gonna you know do a huge update and make the the gameplay experience more like arena and do all this stuff that people have kind of hoped for i don't think they would be kind of offloading it to another company like if that was their plan and moto was like one of their big long-term staples of their business it's just hard for me to see them making this decision i want to see the contract they're take backsies like what if three years from now like everyone is done with arena commander is the most popular thing and like moto is somehow thriving like can wizards take it back Yeah, we, we don't really know the the details. Like, we don't really have that much information on this other than they're, like, making a new studio that combines the current Moto team with people from Daybreak Studios. They're going to be a, a new studio under the Daybreak heading. Uh, I don't know. Who, who knows? I'm hoping that Wizards is smart enough to to have, like, uh, put some of that stuff in the contract or to make sure that they can't just, like, take the game and kill it immediately or something. Hopefully Wizards thought that through, but who knows? Who knows at this point? Well, speaking of Moto, <laughs> probably the worst timing for this segue. Um, <laughs> the next topic was, should frustrated arena players switch to Magic Online because Magic Online is so incredibly cheap? Uh, I don't know if, uh, if the Daybreak thing plays into your answer to this at all, but basically, over the holidays, I've been thinking a lot about people's complaints about arena and about how expensive it can be about people not liking uh, the impact of digital only cards on historic and some of that stuff and i just happened to look at complete set prices on magic online and i was kind of shocked at just how cheap a lot of sets of magic cards are like ixalan a complete set a copy of every single card is a dollar 14 a dollar 14 like dominaria is like seven dollars it's really really absurd just like how many cards you can get on magic online for a really really low price for the price of like one rare wild card you can be getting complete sets of a lot of different sets 
So do you think people should be more open? Arena players who are maybe a little disillusioned with some of the stuff that's happened recently, because you see some people, they're like, okay, I uninstalled Arena because of Alchemy or whatever, and that's not my position, but there are people who are taking some of these changes really hard. Do you think those people should give Magic Online a shot? I mean, I think those people already are playing Magic Online. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I I don't know. I mean, like, I I do think that Moto does offer a lot, right? Like when it, when it comes to like playing, uh, magic, right? But, but at the same time, it just hurts every time I open Moto. <laughs> that's, <laughs> like, that's a fair position, right? Like it's like, okay, so here are my options. I, I can play RuneScape or, or I can play very expensive, but flashy RuneScape, right? <laughs> so, so like, when it comes down like me talking as a like a like just a person who just enjoys magic uh and just playing magic i i think moto does have a lot to offer um at least when it comes to non-standard formats like but i but i also like what we have on arena so i i mean you it, it does get very expensive. That's the only problem. Like arena is absurdly expensive. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've think, exclusively switched to moto at this point. Like I haven't played standard on arena in a long time, even though I should be, uh, because it's so expensive and it's basically like everything you hate about modern game design. Like if you just like renounce all that, like, you know, the fact that you have to log in daily and do stuff when you don't want to, right. The fact that you got to grind your way into something like I'd rather just, play like literally 15 year old magic which is moto right graphics and all where i play what i want to i put in money where i want to and i can take money back out which is actually pretty innovative uh you know before game studios figure out a way to suck all our money in and keep it there right like we had moto where you can put your money in and then take it back out it's like an amazing concept so uh, and then also the other fact that it's a tradable card game where each card has different value Whereas Arena has kind of flattened that and like every card has the same value. So if you want to play an unpopular format, uh, say Commander, it's relatively unpopular on Magic Online compared to the constructed formats, it is very cheap, right? We played many seasons of Commander Clash where we played 20 tick decks, which is $20. Uh, We played $5 decks and they're pretty powerful. You can do a lot of cool things with them. Uh, like, what can you do with $5 on Arena? Like, absolutely nothing, right? So I, I think it's an alternative. And I, I don't know why people hate it so much. Like, once you play for like 10 minutes, you get used to it. And it's basically the same thing. So I, I don't really get it. Uh, but I think more people should try it. Uh, but that's very odd given the Daybreak Games <laughs> announcement. <laughs> it seems like Mono's going away. So I, I, I don't know, maybe a weird recommendation. But the good news is you can buy in. If Daybreak really is messing it up, you sell your cards and you get out, right? And you you just lose like maybe 20, 30%, right? As opposed to 100% on Arena. Yeah, I mean, I think people should definitely be more open to trying it, especially like Commander players. Or uh, I do think that in general, Arena does a good job for like Standard in specific. Like if you want to just casually play Standard or try to grind into a deck, but Arena does a good job of that. If you want to play all the decks in Standard or, you know, also Alchemy 
or historic or whatever, then it does get ridiculously expensive. But on a, on Magic Online, I think there's this misconception that it's just really, really expensive, and that's just really not true. There's a handful of cards that are really expensive, like the, the Ragavans and like Evoke Elementals of the world, but really so many, I was looking at a lot of like Commander Staples and like Sylvan Library is like two cents. Cyclonic Rift is like 30 cents. These are cards that in paper you'd be paying 50 bucks for, 80 bucks for. I was actually looking at our five tick decks and your deck, Richard, was $320 in paper and it's currently $4.45. You have like a $50 Cloudstone Curio. Krim managed to fit a Mana Drain in his $5 deck. He's playing Mana Drain in a deck that costs less than $5. So so there's the price thing is really, I think, the biggest calling card of, of Magic Online at this point. If you just want to play Commander games or play budget decks, you can do that incredibly cheaply and you can access it all right away because you don't have to do the like spam packs to get wild cards or grind to get gold to get packs to open packs to get wild cards you can just go spend five bucks and have a really solid looking commander deck or whatever so i wish more people were open to trying it especially especially people who are interested in older formats i do think crim's criticism it is true it does look very very old and dated you don't get the like flashy video game aspect at all that you get with arena but i do think people should be should be more open to it and i feel like magic online gets a bit of a unfair bad rap from a lot of people in the community when i hear the things people complain about about arena like oh i hate digital only cards or oh this is so expensive for me or oh we don't have enough formats every time i hear those complaints my first thought is like well yeah have you ever heard of magic online like magic online does exactly what you want it to do so just give it a chance and it might actually be something that uh, that is really enjoyable for you and a good way to play magic so uh speaking of prices though uh one more one more price topic what do you think about the current price of modern and this kind of ties into magic online as much as just playing magic online is cheap if you want to buy a top tier modern deck on magic online it is absurdly expensive but the same is true in tabletop we are at a point right now where modern is more expensive than it's ever been. I actually went back and like ran the numbers, went back through as far as Goldfish had data on on the price of Modern. And right now, the top 12 decks in the metagame, the average cost is almost $1,200, $1,190. If you go back to 2014, it was like 700 bucks. Before this year, the most expensive year was 2019, where it was just over $1,000. The average price of the 12 most played decks in the format, it was $1,038. So Modern is, really really expensive right now what do y'all think about the cost of modern and uh, are you hesitant at all to recommend people getting into modern anymore Uh, i found myself in this weird position where i love modern it's like my favorite format but when i think about telling people like okay you should buy into modern and play modern when i consider the cost of the format and consider how quickly the format changes and the fact that you can't just like buy jund and play it without making any updates for a decade like you could maybe you know five years ago it's becoming harder and harder for me to actually give people advice of like, yeah, go out and buy a modern deck because it's just feeling like a really rough financial decision. But what do y'all think of the the cost of modern and uh, the wisdom of a new player getting into it at this point? Oh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Like it, it is it is so pricey. Like with with modern now being a rotating format, that's exactly the thing, right? Like, uh, I mean, it, Unless you like just like it comes down to what you want out of modern, but let's just say you want to play a simple like just for me like a pure control deck. I think that's like 
you, you still need like uh solitude and stuff like that right so those cards are like what like 50 bucks a piece or something so modern yeah. that's not counting the mana base uh there's or some negation really yeah. expensive that you probably want for your control deck yeah every everything every deck is pretty much expensive i i think like what the cheapest deck is what maybe is hammer time chief no hammer time is like a, still a thousand dollars right so yeah, yeah the I, average I, deck being a thousand dollars sounds about right I, the cheapest deck is burn it has to be burn yeah i think out of the top tier decks burn is is five hundred dollars and that is the cheapest out of decks that are like legitimately top tier and after that you can like belchers around that same price or dredge is a little over a little over 500 so you can get an okay deck for around 500 dollars. but really most of the top tier decks you got like yarian decks or a lot of those are 1800 dollars. some of them have cracked two thousand dollars which i've never seen before jund is sixteen hundred dollars and elementals is sixteen hundred dollar even just blue white control just normal blue white control no yarions it's thirteen hundred dollars because you need solitudes uh you need all the fetch lands in the mana base the archmage's charm is not cheap anymore you might have chalice of the voids in there somewhere which are pretty expensive so even a relatively like straightforward deck is just super super expensive yeah i I just don't i don't don't know i mean like even if we took the cheapest deck like burn that's still like do people want to spend like if this is a new player who wants to go into a non-standard format is five hundred dollars cheap no like it, no, in comparison that, that, to that's modern not cheap right yeah like e- even even if it's just like yeah like if it's a new player i don't even think they want to spend five hundred dollars right like so uh i i don't know i mean this this is yeah this is just wild modern <laughs> is such a a uh a pricey format that that's where i'm like okay let's play moto yeah although actually honestly as much as i defend moto in a lot of ways and decks are a bit cheaper on there a moto kind of has the same expensive uh expensive problem with top tier modern decks and it really goes back to modern horizons too i think but a lot of those same cards like the ragavans and evoke elementals are really really pricey on magic online as well so it's not quite as bad like the yarian decks are 1100 instead of 1800 or azurius controls 600 instead of 1200 but still that's programs you know uh the rental programs are are super super key for stuff like that that is that is the best way to play modern on magic online what do you think about this richard like you've played modern for a long time do you recommend it to new players at this point i mean the only reason i play modern is because i have a free loan program from card hoarder right <laughs> like so you absolutely need the loan program because like expensive decks aren't a new thing right like we've had expensive decks in the past like you know how do how do new players get into legacy right and the answer was every month you put away 50 bucks and then in a year you would have like a solid mana base in two years you'll have your deck and that's fine because decks didn't change and the priciest part was just getting the original dual lands and fetch lands right now like you need to get whatever new chase mythics are from the latest set thus invalidating your entire deck uh if like that changes right so now ragavan is the hot stuff right but i'm sure wizards will print something that will like totally invalidate ragavan soon enough and then you spent like literally a year collecting Ragavans. Your Ragavan deck is no longer cool. Or for example, like Lures decks are all the rage right now. You sold all your like three CMC cards and above. And then <laughs> next year, Wizards will print something that invalidates all of that, right? So 
The problem is not only is it expensive, you can't slowly build towards it because it's a rotating format. Uh, so it's a, it's a very big deal. And it's not, it's not just like the fetches and shocks that are expensive, even though they're actually pretty expensive. It's like all the mythics you need for your deck. So you can't just build a good collection and play whatever you want. Like you could have a complete collection of modern today. And then next year, you'll still have to drop like $1,000 on Modern Horizons 3 just to, you know, get all the new stuff. And I think that's the big problem. So it's really hard. Like, I would just recommend, like, do anything. Buy a gaming PC, buy some skis, buy a set of golf clubs, a PS5. Like, literally anything is more <laughs> I mean, yeah, bang you, for the buck, You right? could buy a really nice computer for $2,000. <laughs> or you could buy a modern deck. Yeah, right? And your computer yeah. will at least work for, like, three, four years. Your modern deck may be obsolete after, like, three runs, right? So, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. Like, I don't know what Wizards is doing, and... I blame Modern Horizons. Like, it basically turned Modern into a rotating format, which I think is not good for something so expensive. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the heart of the problem. Even if you look back at that little price chart I made, like, uh, the big price spikes happen in years when Modern Horizons sets come out. 2019, that was when we got a Modern Horizon. Then 2021, we got a Modern Horizons. And that just makes the decks really expensive. I think Jund is actually a really good example of what you were saying. That's one of those decks that, for the first, I don't know, seven years of Modern, like a pretty big chunk of Modern, You'd buy this really expensive deck, often the most expensive deck in the meta, and get your Tarmogoyves and your Dark Confidants and your Lilianas and your Thought Seizes and your Mana Base, but you would know, like, I'm going to be able to play this deck and win, you know, 49% of the time forever, essentially. Like, it just is what it is. Maybe you get a Fatal Push once in a while that upgrades here or there, or a different removal spell, but really, the deck doesn't go through huge changes. Now, if you want to play the current version of Jund, you got to spend 350 bucks on Raghavan. So, you got to spend 350 bucks on Ren and Sixes. You have to spend 150 bucks on Urza's Sagas, and that's just cards that came out in Modern Horizons 2. That's seven, $800 if you add all that together. Together, that's a cost of buying an entire deck. You're you're essentially spending the price of a deck just to update the deck that you already had because of Modern Horizons. And I think that same thing is true to a, a lot of decks in the format. If you're talking even about like the blue-white control decks, like uh, there's huge changes there. You got to get your Force of Negation. So you got to get your Solitudes. And that's a huge, huge cost. So yeah, I, I don't know how people do it at this point. Like I, I don't know how you play competitive paper modern. Like the loan programs are amazing on Magic Online. And that is the one like saving grace but it just feels like such a such a tough investment at this point so i'm really with richard like there's uh, as far as just purely financial considerations uh, probably about any hobby is going to be a smarter financial decision than buying a modern deck at this point with how quickly things changes and how much it costs to upgrade in uh and keep your modern decks in a position where they're actually competitive so Definitely, definitely scary. Do you think there's anything wizards can do to fix this? Like, I was thinking, okay, like, can they somehow keep doing Modern Horizons, which I think they're going to want to do because the sets seem very successful as far as uh, selling them, the interest that they get during spoiler season. It seems like they've been very profitable for wizards. So I can't imagine them getting rid of Modern Horizons. Is there any way they can keep doing Modern Horizons keep selling Modern Horizons, so you can't just print a bad Modern Horizon set or no one's going to care, but also not turn Modern into this really expensive rotating format. I mean, you're going to have to, what, constantly <laughs> emergency reprint things, right? I mean, the mana base is yeah. still, like, expensive. So, like, even though they reprinted fetches here, you know, 
other fetches went up, right? Like flooded strand, polluted deltas. Those are all expensive now. Um, so, uh, like that, that's the issue. Like, like the blue flat chains are like 60 bucks a piece, no matter which one you want. So, I mean, I, I still feel like the mana base is where most of the money is going. And then Raghavan and all of that too. I, I think yeah. they need to make I them mean, into collector boosters. Like no new cards, only reprints of, uh, modern staples and like give them like fancy art or like fancy finishes or whatever so that people actually want them. But like they need to sell this product. So if they're printing new cards, the new cards need to have an impact on the meta and that causes like essentially a rotating modern, right? So even if they did something like reduce the price to like a standard set, uh, I still think that would cause the same issue of like rotating decks. Like imagine if you bought Tron or something, right? Like the deck is just not a deck anymore. So like there's a big problem with that. So thank God. The, uh, really? I get cards over Lurus's all day and Yorion's actually, <laughs> but like they just have to not print new cards. Like they have to not have the format change so fast. So the only way to sell cards would be like you know, fancy art versions and fancy finishes and one of a thousand collector versions or whatever, right? That's the only way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it. I I see two things that you can do. Interestingly, if you look at the at the graph of prices by year, last year was actually one of Modern's cheapest points. It was uh, average of the top 12 decks cost was $687, which is actually the cheapest going back to 2014. And that was the year where we didn't have a Modern Horizons, but we had multiple really good reprint sets. We had Mystery Boosters. We had a, a Master set. We had Double Masters. So I think we need more of those type of sets as Richard said I think the other thing wizards can do and I don't know if they'll be willing to do this but I really think they got to focus on putting these four of tournament cards that they obviously designed to be four of tournament cards especially like the evoke elementals they really got to try to put them at lower rarity if you're going to insist on selling modern horizons at a high price you at least gotta you at least gotta take the new cards that are four ofs and try to drop them down to rare ragavan I can see an argument that like I guess they care about limited to some extent for modern horizons I don't know how many people actually get to draft modern horizons outside of magic online Line, but they do care about limited ragavan at rare in limited would probably just be a nightmare but like the evoke elementals aren't even good you don't want to play force of wills in your limited deck a two for one in yourself is so painful so i really think they could try to do a little bit more there as well i don't think that's going to solve the whole problem but i think a combination of like trying to drop the rarity on things when possible and not forgetting about reprint sets even though they're doing these Modern Horizon sets, is that's probably the best we can hope for at this point. That still doesn't solve the Modern is a rotating format now thing, unless Wizards is going to stop doing Modern Horizons, which I really don't think they're going to. But uh, at least that would improve it to some extent, because reprints really do help. Like If you can get the cost of some of these cards, the mana bases, and some of these staples down, that goes a long way, because on a lot of decks, it really is a, a few cards that are kind of the heart of the problem. It's not like every Modern playable card is you know $30 or something and that adds up to an $1,800 deck it's a, a handful of cards that you really need are $100 and then the rest of your cards are pretty cheap like Inquisition super cheap now and Lightning Bolts and Thoughtseize has been reprinted so a lot of those cards have gotten less expensive but you just need these these few cards the fetch lands you know the Ragavans the Evoke Elementals that end up spiraling the prices out of control so hopefully Wizards gets on this I feel like they really need a 
create a non-rotating format that's popular in paper. Like, Legacy and Vintage are basically off the list because of the reserve list. Pioneer, it was a good idea, but it's kind of fizzled out. That leaves you with Modern, and if Modern also becomes not very popular because players can't afford to play it, what do you, is Paper Magic just Commander at that point? Like, no, no one plays yes. Standard in Paper. <laughs> Alchemy and Historic don't exist. Like, is that all that Paper Magic is? Is just, you know, get your friends together for a Commander game? The, the answer is yeah. yes, right? Like, that's what yeah. Wizards prints everything for Commander. And they're like, look, modern players are throwing you a bone once a year. You get a, you get a master set, which somehow, like, turns out worse for you. But, like, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's all focused on Commander, right? Like, how many cards in a standard set do you see are made specifically for modern versus how many are made for commander right like there's just so many made for commander um but i'm i was gonna say i think the the limited defense is like way overused and wizards has somehow convinced everyone this is a legit thing right like how many people have drafted modern horizons 2 and like for what period of time is that relevant versus like the, the rest of eternity where this was played in 60 card formats, right? Like there's no reason things need to be mythic. Like you can screw up your limited format for like a month and make, you know, your constructed formats good for like 20 years, but they're just doing it to take more money out of us and using that as an excuse. So I, I don't want to hear this limited argument anymore, right? It's always about <laughs> like who plays limited? Like who's going to crack a box? <laughs> like let's say you could not use like let's say this was a silver bordered set, okay? You could not use this in modern. Would you really be paying any money to like crack this and play limited? Like no, right? This was no. a constructed set. Limited has like this little purpose, right? And we should not warp everything around it. Uh, so let's let's not pretend that's a real thing. We should call wizards out for that, right? Like they're making the mythic because they want us to buy more packs, right? And that's that's how it is. They want the cards to be expensive. I think that's like especially true of stuff like Modern Horizon, stuff like Master sets. Those are sets where their primary purpose, at least I think, is to uh, is support a format like Modern. Like that is why those sets primarily exist to get reprints that are needed into the ecosystem and drive prices down to give archetypes that need some help, some new cards to improve and make the format better, or at least that should be the primary focus of these sets. So I get in standard sets how you probably don't want, you know, pack rat at rare or whatever, because a lot of people do draft standard sets on arena on magic online, maybe at their local game stores. But when it comes to these supplemental products, I definitely agree that limited should not be an excuse. And the number one choice should be what can we do that's going to be best for modern or whatever format you're trying to support with uh, with these sets. And I think it is an excuse that's used way, way too often uh, about limited and its impact on card rarity. And the choice really should be like, what can we do to make modern best? Like, how can modern horizons make modern as cheap and as good as it can be as popular with players as it could be And limited should be a, a secondary concern with sets like that if it's even a concern at all anyway any other thoughts on uh, any of our topics today i think we're we're getting to the end of our our topic list well let's uh, let's answer some fish mail richard fish mail us all right if you have questions send them to at mtgoldfish with the hashtag mgfishmail and we'll get to your questions on air uh, at Coral underscore Daybreak Games offers an all-access pass to their games currently for $15 a month. Do you think they should include access to all Moto cards as well with the acquisition? Uh, so that would be awesome. 
I imagine that's not actually an option with how the economy is set up, but if you could play Moto for 15 bucks a month, that would be amazing, and I'm sure it would crush my collection, I'd lose a ton of value, and I don't even care, because that would just be so amazing for players. Yeah, I, I think if it if loan programs could be integrated directly into the Moto interface, right? If they had a partnership with Card Hoarder where you just signed up for a Moto account, paid 15 bucks a month, got a $15 loan program, like that'd be awesome, right? Because like for new players, like they need to know that, oh, there's these things called bots. That sounds a little shady to begin with. And you go trade. They're not affiliated with Wizards in any way. Don't worry about it. You go to this other site, you make an account, they send you cards, you trade. You're like, it's very confusing, right? Like just bake it into the Moto interface and partner with loan programs. And I think you would actually go pretty far. Uh, the big large, I hear a lot about how Moto is better than Arena because of the economy. As a purely free-to-play limited player, is there a reason, reason I should switch to Moto? Uh, if you're a limited-only player, I would say the answer is probably no. Um, if you're really, really good at limited, uh, and you have to be really good, because I think, as Richard has said before, uh, you think that Moto drafting is actually a lot harder than Arena, right? Oh, yeah, I got, I got like, totally trashed on, on Moto. Like, <laughs> like, I thought I was good at limited on Arena, because you know, I would, like, literally, like, 70%, and, like, that's still not a go to Infinite, by the way. You, but, you know, you can go pretty far. But then I went to Moto and got, like, totally destroyed, like, left and right. <laughs> like, I, I felt like I was five years old. Like, I could not do anything. Uh, so, you, you, like, the 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 level of play is a lot higher uh but theoretically you could go infinite on moto it's very hard uh so if you are literally just playing draft on arena and like you know once every two weeks you you log in do your dailies uh, get the draft in then i would stick to that but if you're putting money in to play then uh you could consider going to moto yeah, the, the only real upside is uh, if you were really good, you could actually win money at Magic Online, which you could never really do on Arena. All you can win on Arena is more drafts. But I think that the the number of players that are actually good enough to not only go infinite, but infinite uh, plus we're actually making a profit when you draft is it, it's got to be really, really small. Uh, 72J Fisher, do you think Wizards will design sets with cards that have number restrictions? Like you can only have one, two or three of this card in your deck. We've already seen any number and seven dwarves uh and seven dwarves doesn't seem abnormal happy holidays you think we'll get a restricted card like in oracle text i would be surprised i think they'll keep doing what they do now with any number like special flavor cases like seven dwarves with random commons but i would be surprised if they printed like you know, some bomby rare mythic, and we're like, okay, the the way we power this down is you can only play one in your deck. I think the the challenge is, especially in paper, is how does your opponent track that and know that you're not cheating in any individual game? Like, if you can only play one of them, what's to keep you from playing two and just you know never never showing the second one in a game? That, so that I think all we saw that sets. with companions. How do you, I know you only have four whatevers instead of five, right? <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess that's I guess that's true. That's true. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't think that's something they would do. Although I do think there's an interesting question as to whether magic would be better if rather than four copies of a card, you could only play maybe three or something. I I think that's actually like that might be too big of a topic for Fishmail, but I actually think that magic could be better if we had a different rule there. <laughs> Fun story. I uh, <laughs> I didn't know this because so I, I I do have mix and matched artworks in all my decks, right? So I think when the Shocklands came back in for RTR, 
I actually had five steam vents. <laughs> Crim. Dirty cheater. <laughs> Dirty cheater. Yeah. I fetch up my fifth steam vents. <laughs> I noticed it when I drew my fifth steam vents. I'm like, oh, hold on. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I, I will say this seems 100% alchemy. They, they will do this in alchemy. They will have, like, if you have only one of this card in your deck, you get a buff or, or like, something like that. So I need a loot tree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, there's no way they're not, right? I mean, you, you've seen Hearthstone with Reno Jackson. You, you, you know, like, you, you have cards like that. So there's there's no way that Magic won't eventually do something. And and Lutri feels like it could have been so much better if it weren't anchored by the paper, uh, the paper half. Yep. Uh, full Toretto Dom. Nice. Uh, <laughs> a, little, a little Fast and Furious action for us. Is the Some bard, family. <laughs> some family. Is the bard approving a brew being legit a 5-0 league result? I've seen many ideas shot down on Discord, Reddit, sometimes very rude and toxic, with the argument that you can't outbrew the pros, so you should just net deck. No. Oh, well, no. I don't like that argument at all, but... I mean, I do think there's got to be some sort of some sort of standard that's easy for people to recognize that, OK, this deck is is sort of good. And I think that's kind of become like five owing a league by default. For me personally, that doesn't really matter a whole lot. But I think it is a really easy, easy uh, standard that anyone can grasp. Like, OK, this one five matches in a row, the deck must be at least sort of functional. Well, even though that has like a lot of issues because I think a lot of decks can 5-0 a league. If you played enough matches with uh, with just about any deck that's like halfway decent, you're probably going to 5-0 eventually just by hitting the right matchups and your opponent's running poorly. So I, I don't think it deserves as much weight as it gets, but I don't think it's a horrible standard. I do think that like comeback of like, you can't outbrew the pros, that's, that's just absolutely silly. There's all kinds of people who brew really sweet decks that are very competitive and have tons of success with them that are not pros. So I really dislike that argument, but I don't think that 5-0 a league is like, the worst rule of thumb or whatever for just being like, okay, at a quick glance, is this deck at least somewhat functional? I think it does an okay job of that. I also don't think that it, even if you don't 5-0 a league, let's say you go 4-1, I think that means the deck is still semi-functional, right? So like, Yeah, I, well, they just never get published. Right. Like, if you get a 4-1, your list doesn't show up anywhere. So I think that's, that's the only real difference. But as far as, like, how good a deck is, there's very little difference between going 4-1 and 5-0. Yeah. I, I would say people are just being toxic. <laughs> like they, they just throw out the easiest things you can throw out. Like, oh, you know, that's not the list that some pro uses or, oh, you didn't 5 elite. They're just being toxic, right? Like, like even a 0-5 deck list can have good ideas in it, right? Like maybe, uh, you know, it's not perfectly tuned or maybe you're a terrible magic player. It could be any reason why it goes 0-5, but maybe there's some core concept in it, right? Like, oh, you know, this three-card combo or this interaction is really strong. So I think the notion of dismissing uh, entire decks based on results or, you know, who made it is wrong, right? Like you can learn something from like every deck you look at, right? So if you actually take the time to look at it and you might critique it like in a very specific way, a constructive way, uh, or you can be lazy and be like, it sucks. You know, I'm going to play whatever my favorite pro plays, right? But I would just ignore those people, right? They're just, I don't know what they're doing, right? They're just venting their frustration on you. Uh, last question, Kuji, if Watsi isn't focused on pro play anymore or tournaments, why do we follow their ban lists? Why can't SCG and other big event 
hosts create their own ban list and we go based off that. I mean, I mean, you could. I guess I could. Yeah, I, I, there's probably no reason why you couldn't. I don't know how sanctioning works or like I've, I've never been that involved in that aspect of it. Like, but if you're not sanctioned, I'm sure you can do whatever you want. I don't know if there's some rule where if you're going to be sanctioned and use like wizard software and report the event or whatever, if you have to use their ban list. But I don't know why SCG couldn't be like, hey, here's the ban list for our tour events or whatever. Yeah, I think it's because they're actually sanctioned events. You need to follow the rules. Right. But you do occasionally see like, oh, we're doing no bandless modern or we're doing post rotation standard, like things like that, right? That's essentially creating their own ban list. But for regular events, they, they need to follow the Watsi rules because it's a sanctioned event where you can earn points, but I guess but my it's who's with it. Points. The points don't mean anything anymore. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, I, I don't know, right? But I, I don't think SCG would go out of their way because I feel that would be opposing Wizards organized play, which I don't think they, they want to, right? I think Wizards should actually just get their get their act together. Maybe being sanctioned doesn't matter anymore. Like, I really I've don't heard, think it does. Yeah, I, I've heard of local game stores intentionally not sanctioning like their legacy events so players can play proxies. Because you can play proxies in casual events, but you, they're disallowed in actual sanctioned events. Maybe the upside of being able to have more control over the rules or maybe in Vintage and Legacy letting people play proxies, maybe that upside is higher than whatever you get out of being sanctioned at this point, which from a player's perspective, at least, does not seem like much. <laughs> like, well, what are you doing with your Planeswalker points or whatever you earn? Like, nothing. There's no system. So what does it even matter at this point? Actually, really I'm, or, I'm already a silver level pro, you know? I, I, have, <laughs> so, I'm, I have a silver rank on Arena. <laughs> <laughs> what if they just, like, said, forget sanctioning and here's full proxy modern? Like, yeah. But, like, I mean, well, a, like a the local store way could. To blacklisted by Watsy though right like yeah, wizards yeah, would not yeah. be happy with this but that would solve well what are you not gonna get a you're not gonna get a ptq like what, <laughs> like what are they gonna do there's no tournaments <laughs> you could uh not get product or i don't know i'm sure <laughs> yeah i guess that's or like scg would or... never work with wizards again if they did something like that but you know like what when is proxy modern going to be a real thing like we've talked about how it's acceptable for legacy and vintage because those formats are so expensive. If modern is not expensive, why cannot proxy my monkeys? You know, like why? <laughs> like what? What's the difference here, right? I mean, maybe maybe it should be. I think the difference from Wizards' perspective would be they want you to buy <laughs> Modern Horizons too, uh, when they're not really selling Underground Sea or whatever anymore. But from a player's perspective, that actually makes a lot of sense. Maybe that's a a potential solution to the modern price issue because if you could even proxy like 10 cards 12 cards something like that out of your modern deck that would come close to cutting deck prices in half like if you could just get rid of the few most expensive cards <laughs> yeah yeah seriously like or the fetch lands that you need or whatever like maybe that's something we should look into more Put your Yu-Gi-Oh cards it. in. Anyone questions them, they're like, it's the latest secret lair. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Here's my here's my Pikachu. It's a, it's a new limited edition, one of one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, underneath it, it says Raghavan. Like <laughs> All right. Thank you to everyone who sent in their questions. If you have future questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail or get to your questions on.
And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 362 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, everyone, happy New Year's. Have a great week. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.